Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. My name is Daryl McMullen, and this is a show where we discuss how we can rise above the human condition. We address topics that we all wrestle with because we're all human. And together we look for more positive ways to respond to the world around us. Thank you for joining us on the journey. We hope today's topic is exactly what you need for the week ahead. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Transcend Human Podcast. It is May 24th, 2021. So good to be with you. Uh, I feel like we're kind of back to our normal routine. So, and that's funny to say, considering our last episode, we talked about uh, transcending routine and trying to be a little less rigid. However, we also discussed how sometimes that routine is what it takes to get things done. And so there are positive sides to routine, and hopefully that's what we're capitalizing on here. So like I said, great to be back, great to be back on track uh, and kind of knocking things out weekly like we normally were. So let's jump right in. Uh, Minute of transparency this week, I'm going to call Fear Factor. Yeah. So some of you might remember the show called Fear Factor back in the day. Now, I'm not talking about the reload in 2011. I'm talking about the original episodes that aired between, oh, I don't know, 2001 and 2006, somewhere in there, had like a five-year run. And the show was a, it was an interesting show. It pitted contestants against each other in games, situations, and challenges um, that they knew would cause fear in most people. So these were, you know, everything from extreme heights to being in the dark to being touched by insects or animals that typically scare people, uh, being placed in claustrophobia-producing situations. Um, And then there were challenges where they actually had to eat things that most people would consider disgusting and would never even think of eating. So it was one of those shows that you watched kind of with one hand over your eyes, right? Because you could just... You can see how some of the challenges were so hard for the contestants. And you, you know, you try to put yourself in their shoes and you're like, oh my gosh, there's no way that I could do that. And of course, if the contestant endured the challenge um, and beat out the other contestants, then they won money. And obviously, money can make people do some pretty crazy things, apparently. But this minute of transparency isn't really to talk about a TV show. Um, the fear factor I'm interested in. Uh, is one that impacts you and me on a regular basis. So it's the fear or anxiety or intimidation that basically keeps us from trying new things uh, in life. Now, it can be physical, like the TV show, right? You can have a fear of heights that keeps you from going on a hike up a steep mountain with your friends, or it keeps you from going on rides with your friends at a theme park, uh, keeps you from trying bungee jumping or, you know, whatever. It can be physical, but it can also be emotional uh, or intellectual. And I realized recently that I've fallen prey to the second type of fear, um, and not just once, probably many times. For me, this fear has impacted me creatively. So it's kept me from doing certain things. It stopped me from working on projects that I've already put time and energy into. Uh, It's laughed at me as if to say, are you kidding me? You think you actually have what it takes to do this? you know, and it's it's doing its best to keep me from completing things that I know that I should probably complete. Now, this is resistance with a capital R, according to Stephen Pressfield in his book, The War of Art. 
Uh, but instead of using the word resistance, I'm just going to call it what it is for me. It's fear. It's intimidation. It's lack of belief, lack of grit. It's a lack of self-confidence at the end of the day. So what am I talking about? Well, let me just illustrate with one of these things, right? So back in 2012, um, I had a vision. Now, go ahead, laugh. I can handle it. I'm not trying to be woo-woo here. I, I just call it that because it was a dream that didn't really seem like any other dream I had ever had. Uh, what I experienced in that dream, or vision as I called it, was enough information to flesh out a multi-novel book series, a trilogy of novels at least. I saw protagonists, antagonists, settings, locations, unique characters. I saw technology, sci-fi elements that I'd never seen before. Uh, I saw multiple plot lines and an umbrella story arc, all in that one vision, all in one night. Now, the other thing that stood out to me was that unlike a dream where you wake up and you're kind of fuzzy on the details, um, I was literally able to remember every single detail from that night for days afterward. So I was able to grab a notebook, and over the next few days, I was literally able to write down everything that I remembered from that night. So this outline and the specific details or elements that I saw became the backbone for what I basically refer to now as the trilogy. So that's my working title for this thing that I experienced. Now that said, you can see why I might look at this a little bit differently than just some random idea came up. I came up with while I was eating pizza on a Friday night, right? To me, this was out of the ordinary, otherworldly even. And on some level, I guess I believe that it was a call to action, some sort of a, a calling or a gift from the universe inviting me to be part of something that only I could bring to life. So how far have I gotten on it? Well, that's the problem. It took me until 2018, so six years, to even begin working on it. Then, after I got started, I got about four chapters in, and I stopped. When I look back now, I can see how fear, self-doubt, and feeling intimidated kept me from moving forward. Uh, as I was writing these early chapters, I was also reading through a stack of books on how to write. I think I had ordered like six to eight books off of Amazon in one big order. And at some point, I got to the book called The Story Grid, What Good Editors Know by Sean Coyne. At first, I ate it up. It was like a whole new world I've never stepped into before. Um, but over time, it became so technical that it made my head hurt. Like I knew it was good stuff, and I knew that it would make my book that much more marketable. But there was so much to it, a complexity that I just did not factor into chapters one to four. And that's when I shut it down again. Fear, self-doubt, and now feeling intimidated because, after all, I didn't go to school for this. I have no formal training in English or how to write. I have no experience writing fiction. So how could someone like me expect to knock out such a massive undertaking? And that was it. Chapters one through four went on the shelf, and I decided to find something that I could be more successful at. So I dusted off Controversy Theory, a book that I had written back in 2001, nonfiction, um, but complete. And I thought, well, I can always rework this and see if I could get this published. That led to other ideas, uh, which eventually led to Transcend Human. And ideas started to flow for this new idea. And eventually it became the podcast. 
and here we are. Now, interestingly enough, I didn't let fear, self-doubt, or intimidation keep me from doing the podcast. Here we are, 63 episodes later. But what if the success and the longevity of the Transcend Human podcast is simply one more thing keeping me from completing the trilogy? What if I'm settling for good, but that's keeping me from the great thing that I was supposed to do? Ouch. Now, I really shouldn't be knocking the Transcend Human podcast like that either, because it's one of the most important things I've ever done with my life in terms of giving back to the world um, and, and basically getting content out that I feel like I'm supposed to get out. But I'm sure you can see my dilemma, right? It's something that I struggle with. When it comes to the Transcend Human podcast, it is real-time content being published weekly, and that's amazing. Going back to the trilogy would mean years, potentially, years of writing with no regular content. And in the end, it's a gamble, right? I'll spend all that time and energy working on something that could come to nothing. All this came back up this week because I opened up chapter four and I just started reading where I had stopped. I was shocked on some level. It actually sounded good. Like I wasn't finding things to edit or things to rework. I just kept reading and I quickly found myself engrossed in the story, wondering what would happen next until I came to the end, a blank white page. Does this sound familiar? Is this something that you've wrestled with? Is there something in your life that you know that you could do, but fear, self-doubt, and intimidation have kept you from going down that road? If so, what would it look like to pull it out, dust it off, and give it another go? Man, I feel like on some level, this could have literally been the entire episode. Um, I've got so much more to say about this. Um, It's great stuff, and it probably deserves like you know, an entire episode at some point. Um, But we do have another topic today, uh, and that is balance. So I could probably try to make a case that the two things are somehow connected, but it would be thin at best. So let's just awkwardly transition and keep things moving. Today's topic, transcending balance. In this episode, we're going to talk about one, moderation in everything, question mark. Two, let's get philosophical, And three, the continua concept. Number one, moderation in everything, question mark. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up hearing the phrase moderation in everything. Now, I can't remember where I heard it because at home, my parents were more likely to say that things were black and white. And the whole moderation in everything principle suggests an attempt to live in the middle and do a little of both right? A little of the things that you weren't supposed to do, but not enough for it to become a problem. So an obvious example would be alcohol, right? Moderation in everything suggests that you can drink a bit, just don't get carried away. Whereas my parents would be more likely to say, there's no reason to drink at all. So it must not have come from my parents, although I can see scenarios where they would agree with a statement. Areas where, you know, the thing in question had no real spiritual significance, right? Only a matter of doing something irrelevant too much or too little. Something like watching Netflix, maybe. My guess is that my parents would probably agree with a statement, moderation and everything, when it comes to watching Netflix. But let's start at the beginning and not only define the words, but let's try to figure out where they came from. So starting with dictionary.com, we can see that the word moderation is defined as restraint, 
avoidance of extremes or excesses, or temperance. And we probably don't need to define the word everything because we all understand what everything means. So the phrase suggests restraining ourselves or being temperate in everything we do. Next, I did some research on the phrase itself. And in an article on digitalmr.com, an author named Michaelis Michael uh, explains that a Greek man named Cleovolus Lindios I probably just murdered that, but oh well, Uh, that this Greek man coined the phrase back in the 6th century BC. Uh, The phrase is in Greek, so I'll spare you me trying to read it, but it loosely translates to moderation is best. Then I found another article on businessinsider.com that suggested that there is a Swedish word called largom, which means not too little, not too much, just right. This philosophy in Sweden encourages a balanced approach to life in everything, literally from the hours that people work in the week to the amount of food they consume. And we all know that Sweden is one of the happiest countries on earth. It's based on research, right? Researchers literally did research to figure out which countries were the happiest, and Sweden is at the top. So this is at least one vote for the concept of moderation in everything. Number two. Let's get philosophical. So another person that had quite a bit to say about the concept of moderation is Aristotle. On lumenlearning.com, they posted an article from the History of Philosophy Quarterly, uh, which discussed Aristotle's views on moderation. Now, this gets pretty philosophical, as it should, right? Because we're discussing philosophy. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is this. I'll try to summarize as best as I can so that we don't all fall asleep. Uh, I'll post three fairly large chunks of copy here in the show notes, but I'm not going to literally read through it all for you on the podcast. So if you want to read it, feel free. It's in the show notes. But to summarize, uh, Aristotle put forth a concept he called the doctrine of the mean. Now, for those of you who love math, you'll understand that the mean is the average in a set of data. So similar to moderation, Aristotle suggests that there is merit to living in the average, or the mean, which he explained lives between two correlative faults or vices. Now, apparently Aristotle goes back and forth on this throughout his writings, so some philosophers have literally thrown the concept out altogether, while others have gone, wow, that's weird, and they studied it further, and they believe that it was actually a very brilliant concept, and that it became foundational to um, other concepts that Aristotle put forth. And one of these is the concept of living for virtue or excellence. Now, the author goes on to explain um, through Aristotle's writings that excellence is preserved by the observance of the mean. So excellence or virtue is actually accomplished by the doctrine of the mean. And more importantly, hitting the mean is not so much a matter of hitting a particular point on a target as it is a matter of avoiding a variety of mistakes that it's possible to make in the complex situation. So to summarize, Aristotle is saying that observing the mean, right, this whole concept of the doctrine of the mean is really a matter of careful awareness of avoiding errors. 
interesting, right? Apparently, Aristotle used the illustration of archery to get this point across. And this part I am going to read word for word, okay? He said, an archer trying to hit a target must take into account various things which would cause him to miss the mark. He must, since he cannot possibly hold his bow perfectly still, coordinate his release of the bowstring with the subtle movements of the bow. If there are strong crosswinds, you must aim slightly into the wind, and the wind will blow the arrow back to the target he wishes to hit. If he is aiming into the wind, he must aim high to compensate for the slowing effect of the wind. If he is aiming at the crest of, from the crest of a hill above the target, he must adjust for the effects of gravity, and so on and so on. Hitting the mark involves being aware of and adjusting for factors like these. And this is why I got philosophical there for a second, because I believe that Aristotle nailed it. In a nutshell, moderation is less about finding the dead center between two extremes, and it's more about understanding the pitfalls involved and avoiding them in order to live a life with virtue and excellence. Number three, the continua concept. So let's go back for a second to the article from digitalmr.com. After explaining where the phrase moderation and everything came from, the article goes on to discuss something I 100% resonated with. So Michael refers to this concept as continua. Now it's pretty simple, really. He explains that most everything in life, every idea, every ideology, can be expressed on a continuum. Now a continuum has two extremes, right? one on each side, and there are a myriad of graduated possibilities in between. He refers to it this way. You have black on one side, white on the other, and a multiple of shades of gray in between. He then goes on to offer examples like the eating continuum, people who only eat fruit on one side and cannibals on the other, the God continuum, people who believe there is a God on one side and people who don't believe there's a God on the other side. And this is why I resonated with it so much. For those of you who've been around the Transcend Human podcast for any length of time, you've probably seen me talk about continuums on a regular basis. In multiple episodes, uh, I've taken a concept and I've placed it on a continuum, weighing the pros and the cons and suggesting the transcendent thing to do. And this is where things get really crazy. So after Michael offers some examples, he immediately offers what I consider the punchline, the climax, the mountaintop idea, which is this. When you take some time to absorb the examples of different continua, you quickly realize that not all continua are created equal. Yes, did you catch that? On the one hand, we can place everything on a continuum, but not all continuums are equal. So what does this mean? Well, let's talk about that. Moderation in everything cannot be a valid concept because these two ideas are mutually exclusive. They cannot both be true. You can't say moderation in everything is my life motto and then also believe that on some of the continuums, the mean or the moderate thing is not a good thing. So let's illustrate it this way. I threw a bunch of continuums together just as examples. So let's just run through this list real quick. Growth versus comfort. Here and now versus then and there. 
me versus we, or maybe you'd better say it, self-focused versus others-focused, dictatorships versus democracy, far right versus far left, trusting ourselves versus trusting God, capitalism versus environmentalism, alcoholism versus sobriety, vegetarians versus carnivores, morning people versus night people, introverts versus extroverts, and the list goes on and on and on. There are hundreds of thousands of different continuums that we experience on a regular basis. Now, just looking at this list that we talked about, we can see that the whole moderation in everything approach doesn't work evenly on every single continuum, right? According to Michael, it's because of the following. When you look at every possible continuum that exists, there are some where both extremes are bad. So the extreme on the left and the extreme on the right are both bad. There are some where both extremes are good or acceptable. There are some where one extreme is good and the other is bad. There are some where moderation is the combination of the two extremes. And then there are some continuums where moderation is literally a standalone option that has nothing to do with the two extremes. So where does that leave us? Well, I would suggest we go back to Aristotle, who told us that moderation is not the goal. The goal is to look at all the continua in our life, do an honest assessment of each, and then, like the archery example, determine what the target is in each continuum. Next, determine all of the pitfalls and the dangers on each continuum, what needs to be avoided. Then you move your slider on the continuum to the point that has virtue and excellence. Now, I use the word slider because when I think about this, I picture a, one of those large soundboards at a concert, right? A massive board with hundreds of sliders. And before the show starts, they always do a sound check, right? And each of the sliders gets moved up and down, uh, trying to find the perfect combination of sound for the event. Now, not every slider is right in the middle, right? In fact, some are way up and others are way down, but they all work together to form the best quality of sound. So similarly, when you're looking at all of the continua in your life and you're moving the sliders up and down on each of those different continuums, you're doing so to get the best quality life, right? To be living with virtue and excellence. Now, another illustration I love has to do with scuba diving. And I love scuba diving. My friends and I started doing it, uh, who knows how long ago, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and we did it for a while, and then it kind of phased out. And you know, because we all have our separate lives and we're all doing our own things now, uh, I haven't done it in a really long time. But I would encourage you, if you've never scuba dove before, to take a class, learn about it, and then go check it out. It's literally one of the craziest things you can do. Um, on earth. So when diving, uh, there's this thing called neutral buoyancy. Uh, And when you achieve it, everything just feels right. So you wear additional weight, you wear a weight belt, but you also add or remove air from this thing called a BC, which is a buoyancy compensator. It's like your vest and it's connected to your air tank and you're able to add air to it or remove air from it in order to maintain this thing called neutral buoyancy. And it's basically a place um, of 
symbiosis, right? It's a place where you're neither ascending or descending. You're simply floating in the water column with no movement. Now, the reason I love this illustration is because neutral buoyancy can be achieved anywhere in the water column. You can be neutrally buoyant at the surface. You can be neutrally buoyant 150 meters down, or you can be neutrally buoyant at the bottom. It doesn't matter. And this to me is a perfect illustration for us, right? Trying to determine where our slider should be on a specific continuum in our life. So the illustration is this. Working on our neutral buoyancy is us trying to determine the pitfalls and the dangers that exist within that continuum. And then where we're at in the water column, whether we're at the surface or whether we're at the bottom, is similar to moving your slider on the soundboard to the place that has the best sound. So when you're diving, it's very similar, right? You you maintain your neutral buoyancy, but you do so it at the place in the water column where it makes the most sense. So if you're exploring a reef, you're close to the bottom. If you're exploring a ship, like a wrecked ship, you might be higher in the water column so that you can see down on top of the ship. But you're in the perfect place you need to be in order to see what you came to see. So let's land the plane. This week, ask yourself the following questions. One, Have you been living a life where moderation in everything is your mantra? If so, how has that worked out for you? Number two, can you identify the important continua in your life? So the continuums that you live on, right? The ones that have the ability to make or break you. Number three, if you stopped looking for the middle point of every continuum, and instead took Aristotle's approach, what would that look like? So if you first look for the pitfalls and the dangers, and then chose the point where virtue and excellence existed, what would that look like? Would you be doing things differently? Would you be making different decisions? And finally, number four, from our minute of transparency, I'll ask you again, is there something in your life that you know that you could do? but fear, self-doubt, intimidation have been keeping you from doing it. If so, what would it look like to pull it out, dust it off, and give it another try? I hope our time together this week was helpful. I know it got a little deep there in the middle, but at its core, Transcend Human is a philosophical approach to life, right? Uh, It's stopping to think, learn, and view life differently in order to transcend things in the human condition that we need to transcend. Again, I want to thank you for being with us and choosing to be with us each week. Life is definitely better together. So have a great week. Move some sliders for me if you can this week. And as always, keep transcending human. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com, where you'll find additional content as well as ways to contact us and links to our social media channels. Thanks again for subscribing to the show, and we'll see you again real soon.